We are going to take a long, leisurely stroll through this lush lung, smack dab in the center of New York City. Aside from being one of New York's top tourist attractions, it's also a lifeline where you can leave the hectic hustle and bustle of New York's busy streets behind. Join me as we go off the beaten path and stroll around stunning Central Park on today's FYI. Welcome to For Your Info. English. You got it. Hello, 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 my amigos, and welcome one, welcome all. It's time for another exciting edition of FYI for your English. And I can't believe it, guys, but this is the 50th episode. That's right, the 50th episode of FYI. And the only reason we're at 50 episodes is thanks to you guys. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for your constant support and for your recommendations. And as I always say, for learning and laughing with me. I hope you're enjoying the episodes. And remember, if you have any ideas for future episodes, just let me know. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to get your feedback as well. And speaking of feedback, if you enjoy the show, don't forget to rate it wherever you listen to podcasts. Well, because that helps us be seen by more people. It gives us more visibility. So that's another way to say thank you that. And don't forget word of mouth. You know, telling your friends and your colleagues that there's a fun, exciting way to learn English and you'll learn other things aside from English. And today we're going to learn about a place that is near and dear to my heart, a place that I've spent so many hours in and uh, it was so hard to decide what to talk about because some places like Niagara Falls, well, I had to do a lot of research because I hadn't been there. But Central Park, I basically lived there, especially in the summer months. So you're going to get some first-hand experience. And even though some of you or most of you or some, I don't, I don't want to say most of you, but some of you have never been to Central Park, I beg to differ. Te llevo la contraria. Because you've been there. You've been there so many times in movies. And it's just a part of our culture now. And when I say our culture, I don't mean New York's culture. I don't mean the U.S. culture. I mean the global culture. Who's not familiar with Central Park? And if you recall, last week we looked at Friends, which of course was supposed to take place in Central Park, but it didn't. So I figured today we could revisit this amazing park right smack dab in the center of New York City. And smack dab in the center is in todo el meollo. I started off by saying we're going to take a long, leisurely stroll. Let's pronounce that word, leisurely. And if we look at the root, it's leisure, which is ocio. The British pronounce it leisure, leisure, que rima con pleasure. And we say leisure, leisure in the United States. So obviously that's the correct way. No, I'm just kidding, British friends. But leisurely means pausado, 
sin prisas. It means, you know, that you're not in a hurry. You're not in a rush. No vas con mucha prisa. So a long, leisurely stroll, and a stroll is another way to say a walk. Now, it actually makes sense if you think about un carrito de bebé is called a stroller because, well, you take the baby for a stroll. Then I said, we'll go through this lush lung. And I love the word lush. I try and use this word a lot in Spanish, too. I guess it's a good way to describe the north of Spain. It is lush, frondoso, lush, very, very green. But it's funny because this word has a secondary meaning as well. A lush is also an alcoholic, but I mean green in this way. So we will stroll through this lush lung, and that's a word you guys know as well, pulmón, because you say the same thing about retiro in Madrid, for, for example. So this lush lung, smack dab in the center of New York City. Then I said, aside, aparte de, aside from being one of New York's top tourist attractions, mucho te, uh, it's also a lifeline. And we've looked at the word lifeline, but we looked at it in another way, uh, sustento. We looked at it as livelihood, which would be kind of, you know, uh, the money. But lifeline is also uh, cuerda salvavidas. So it literally gives life to the city. And then I said, you can leave the hectic, hectic is a great word, ajetreado, the hectic hustle and bustle. And the hustle is la prisa, the bustle, el ajetreo, se suelen usar juntos, the hustle and bustle of New York's busy streets behind. And careful with that word because I don't know why, but a lot of my students say basi. And it's not basi, it's busy, busy. All right, so I said the hustle and bustle of New York's busy streets behind. And to leave behind is dejar atrás. I went on to say, join me as we go off the beaten path. And I love this expression. We may have looked at it on a past episode, but it's apartado. El camino menos transitado. Because beaten is desgastado en este sentido. So join me as we go off the beaten path and stroll around, pasear, stunning Central Park. And stunning is impresionante, imponente. It is stunning. And it's stunning uh, if you just think about the sheer size of it, which we will look at later in the episode. We'll look at some dimensions. But just to give you an idea of how popular this park is, it receives around 42 million visitors per year. And you know what the greatest part is? It's free. Okay, the zoo isn't free. El zoo, que se pronuncia zoo, that part isn't free. But in general, it's free. You can walk around the park and see the sights. And in the bonus part of today's show, I'm going to give you my personal recommendations, tell you some of my favorite hidden spots, sitios un poco ocultos, menos conocidos, or as we just learned, some spots that are off the beaten path. So that's going to be in the bonus part of today's show. And just a reminder, guys, there's a bonus part of this show every week, which is exclusively for patrons. And if you're interested in finding out more about joining my curious community on Patreon, you can go over to patreon.com slash Alberto Alonso and find out about getting bonus audio, getting PDF documents that accompany all the different episodes to help you really get the vocabulary 
and assimilate it and of course put it into practice. And if you're in the higher levels, you can even get weekly and monthly classes with me. So if you want to get more information, you can go on over to patreon.com slash Alberto Alonso. And while we're at it, I want to just send a shout out to all my patrons. Thank you so much. There's over a hundred of us now. Somos más que cien. And I'll send a special shout out to my super duper students, Francisco, Tony, Roberto, Diego, Jose Maria, Mila, Alex, Patricio, Edgar, Carmen, Lolis, and Diana. And if you noticed, I just included my interstellar students in there as well. So thank you to all my students, all my patrons. The word patroness, Methena. This show would not be possible without you. So those of you who enjoy this program, you should thank them too. And guys, keep up the great work. I've seen many of you making tremendous progress and I'm very proud of you and you should be proud of yourselves. So if you guys want more information, go over to patreon.com slash Alberto Alonso or contact me and I'll send you a free sample. So let's get back to Central Park because I'm eager, eageres con muchas ganas. I'm itching, itching es tener el mono. I'm itching to go to New York and especially Central Park. And aside from being a popular tourist destination, it's a place where many New Yorkers would love to live too. I mean, who doesn't want to live, you know, near a park? Parks are cool. Parks are places where you can relax and, and unwind. To unwind is desestresar. And so, of course, people know that. It's no secret. And that's why Times, uh, Times Square, well, that too, but <laughs> I'm talking about uh, Central Park and the surrounding area, some of the most expensive real estate, inmobiliaria, some of the most expensive real estate in the world. I mean, people are dying to live on Central Park West or Central Park East. We know, um, I, I can tell you somebody who I know who lives on Central Park West, and that is Yoko Ono. She still lives over there. And we're going to talk about John Lennon and Strawberry Fields and all that fun stuff a little bit later on. But if you can afford it, si lo puedes costear, that is the place to be in New York City. And you've got everything just a stone's throw or a hop, skip, and a jump, a tiro de piedra. You've got Times Square, which there's an episode on Times Square. You've got Museum Mile, some of the greatest museums in the world concentrated in one area right next to Central Park. And uh, we didn't even mention the views. I can't even imagine some of the views from those penthouses. Uh, a penthouse is un atico. Just be careful because that's a false friend. The word attic in English is buardilla, I think, where you where you uh, save things or you put things away for the winter. It's uh, here, Let me sum it up. It's where you keep your Christmas tree. <laughs> it's a place where you store things. Almacenar. So whatever view you get of Central Park, whether it's from a penthouse or whether you're smack dab in the center of the park, it's always going to be special. It's always going to be breathtaking. But let's take a look at some of the history of Central Park. Now, the park was initially opened in the year 1857, but one thing is opening and one thing is becoming the Central Park that it is today. And as you can imagine, it's a gradual process. Gradual, no? Lentamente. It's a gradual process 
process. So 1857, it was opened. But it was later improved and expanded upon uh, by two really famous dudes. Well, after this, they were really famous. Frederick Law Olmsted and Calvert Vaux. And they had a plan called the Greensward Plan. The Greensward Plan. And, well, when they put this plan into practice, that was when they reopened the park in 1873. But it wasn't easy. I just summed it up in one sentence. You know, 1857 to 1873. Well, it was very laborious. It was tedious. And these guys didn't just become the architects or the designers by chance, por eh, casualidad. No, 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 no. These guys had to enter a contest. And they did. And they won that contest. It was a design contest that they held in 1858. And if you were paying attention, that's a year after the park opened. So 1858 is when they got the job, when they were hired, contratados. But it didn't open till 1873 with their design. So just do the math. That's a long time. And, well, they drew their, their inspiration to draw inspiration, we can say, uh, because what they did is they loved these European gardens. And you guys in Europe, you might not realize it, but you've got some really awesome public parks, uh, gardens. If you don't think so, just walk around the streets of Paris or, or any European city, Madrid included, and the public parks are really well taken care of. Uh, they are landscaped. And this is a really good word to know because this was one of the distinctions between this park and other parks. And landscape is when you embellecer el jardín, it says in Spanish. So this is when you literally take something and you make the bushes look good and everything. There's, there's a purpose. There's a reason. It's not just bushes and trees everywhere but landscaping it's making sure you're taking care of that lawn of the flowers of the trees and that they're all designed in nice rows as i said like these european gardens so it was based on european ideas or at least the european idea of what a park should be. And in Europe, they, they had a really clear idea. A park should be a place where city dwellers, uh, gente que vive en la ciudad, city dwellers, to dwell is another way to say to live, uh, well, where they could get some culture, you know, some live music, which we'll talk about that later on, fresh air, and of course, a little bit of exercise, or maybe you just want to unwind, desestresar, to blow off some steam, to decompress, no? Soltar vapor, to blow off some steam. La imagen que tienes en la cabeza, muy clara, right? A very clear image. So yeah, they won this design contest. This was in 1858, Frederick Law Olmsted. And we talked about him in the Niagara Falls episode. He also designed the Niagara Falls Park. And him and his partner, Calvert Vaux, won this competition. And their vision was to have a harmonious, right, con armonía, so the word is harmony, harmonious balance between natural and man-made elements. 
their design plan or their blueprint. A blueprint uh, son los planes de un edificio, un parque. It kind of makes sense because if, if I'm not mistaken, before they were designed on computers, they actually used these blue pieces of paper. We've all seen them in movies and, and well, this is what they use, blueprints. And they had in the initial blueprints terraces, bridges, sunken roadways, and sunkenness hundido. We looked at that in the Titanic episode. But these were sunken roadways, and they allowed the carriages, okay, uh, carriages are the things that are uh, pulled by horses, and you can still get a horse and carriage in Central Park. Although there are some people who are against this because of cruelty to animals, but The cool thing about this, and I think one of the coolest ideas of Central Park is the original design is the design that's still there. Okay, there might be some more trees, but the roadways, the way that they made the roads go under the park, um, this way it wouldn't interrupt, you know, the people who were sitting there having a nice uh, time or, or getting tan, bronceándose, didn't have to worry about horses walking by and pooping. And so these roadways were designed to go under the park so it wouldn't disrupt these people. And of course, when the automobile came onto the scene, Well, the park was designed so well that they didn't have to redesign that part. Okay, they might have had to widen, hacerlo un poco más amplio, but the original design was perfect. It, it, it let cars and vehicles get around the park without going through the park. So what's the solution? Go under. And New Yorkers are famous for that in general, their ingenuity. And uh, I'll tell you something, you can see the Dutch influence. You can feel the Dutch influence. They're good engineers as well, and they're known for their ingenuity. And you can still see that in Central Park. And as I said, another thing that made Central Park such a famous park was it was the first major landscaped public park. So there were many public parks where they said, okay, this green area is a park. Okay, it's a fit. we'll put a bench there and that's good and everybody's fine. But this was the first time they said, okay, we're going to put some bushes, unos arbustos ahí. I think we need some flowers, maybe purple flowers. This is landscaping. Putting flowers and plants and your yard, putting everything in a, in, in a place for a reason, for a purpose, if you will. And it was a huge success. I don't have to tell you that. It worked so well that they uh, were asked to work on more uh, public projects. They also designed Brooklyn's Prospect Park, which it's not as popular as Central Park, obviously, but it is amazing nonetheless. Uh, Olmsted also, as I said, uh, Niagara Falls, the grounds at the U.S. Capitol, um, also the World's Columbian Exposition in Chicago, which was a monumental World's Fair. And uh, to this day, he is known as the founder of American landscape architecture, as they call it. But it was not easy. This was not an easy road for them to travel to get this park built. And now we'll talk a little bit about the construction. Well, as I said before, it was a tough task, a tough undertaking, right? To undertake something is emprenderlo, hacerlo. So it was a tough undertaking. But It kind of, I guess everybody could say it paid off. Que dio frutos. It was worth it because today it is still one of the most popular parks. 
But it wasn't all roses and rainbows, and I, I said that on purpose. It was once filled with mud, mud is barro, uh, swamps, which is muddy water, and it's not stable ground, and of course, rocks. And the soil, the soil is el suelo, la tierra, was horrible. You couldn't grow anything there. So what did they do? They imported tons of topsoil from New Jersey, from the neighboring state of New Jersey, and they filled it in. So that's an interesting thing. Um, Central Park in New York City is technically kind of half New Jersey. If you count the ground, they used tons and tons of topsoil that they imported. They had dump trucks, and it's a very logical word because to dump is verter, and a dump truck, well, obviously, is this kind of truck. And there were rocks everywhere. It was a very rocky area, and they had to blow up this area. They used TNT. That's right, they had to use gunpowder. Gunpowder is polvora. And they were blowing up the park. I, I would have loved to have seen this. Me encantaría hubiese visto esto. It seemed like it was crazy. 20,000 workers or laborers, laborers es un poco más anticuado. 20,000 workers were putting gunpowder, TNT, into Central Park to get rid of these rocks. And I read a figure, and I don't know, I can't believe everything you read, but supposedly there was more gunpowder used to rid, uh, rid is desacerde, to rid Central Park of rocks than was used while fighting the Battle of Gettysburg, which is one of the most famous battles in the Civil War. Do you buy it? ¿Lo crees? I don't know, but I think it's a, an interesting story nonetheless. And why, do you ask? Why is it such a rocky area? Why is it, does it have such, so many dramatic rocks and boulders? In fact, the word boulder is a very big rock. Well, what if I told you that this was because there were glaciers, glaciares, which melted 12,000 years ago? And you can still see that. I remember. Now, I didn't know because I don't know very much about geology, but there's a clear area and many areas where you can see the rock and where it cracked. And obviously when rock cracks, it's because there was water in there. So you can actually see the evidence of these glaciers that were there 12,000 years ago. I recommend you go over to Umpire Rock, which is on the west side, right? We say divide in the west side and the east side, como dije antes, at 63rd Street. And this is near the ball fields. There are many ball fields as well. Campos de baseball or softball. I remember I played softball in Central Park with my company. I worked very, very close to Central Park. And I used to go there during my breaks. And we had company softball games there. And I think it was one of the greatest memories of my life. I just remember being there with all my coworkers and playing softball, having fun, drinking some beers, seeing the skyscrapers, because unless you're really deep in the park, there's always a reminder that, hey, this is a nice green area, right? You love this rock that was formed, you know, millions of years ago? Well, guess what? Um... <laughs> 
That's another thing that makes New York so popular. It's skyscrapers and the fact that you can see these skyscrapers. And the only reason they can have these skyscrapers around the park is because that bedrock, that soil is so strong. We could do an episode just on the subsoil and the New York underground. So yeah, those buildings are there reminding you, yeah, you're in the park, enjoy it, but you're in New York City. This is a major metropolis. Now, developing the park cost an estimated $1 million. This was uh, in developing it, excuse me, developing costs, over a million dollars. But the final bill, la factura final, the damage, como decimos, what's the damage? La dolorosa, ¿no? ¿Cuáles son los daños? 7.39 million. So, I guess it was very over budget because the their developing costs were a million, a little over a million. And then that that's almost seven times, 7.39 million. But there are many people who say, yeah, it may have been an expensive project. Alaska, that same year, uh, or around that same time, I don't know if it was the same year, but around that same time was the Alaska purchase when we bought Alaska from Russia. And you know how much that cost? 7.2 million. So this is a fun fact if I've ever heard one. It cost more to build Central Park than to buy Alaska. Wow, what a deal. What a bargain. Vaya choyo. Now, just recently, there's been some history that came out about Central Park. This was in 2011, and Seneca Village, or Seneca Village, I believe, Seneca Village, and it was all but forgotten. It was a place, a village that existed in the center of Central Park, or what is now Central Park. And it wasn't until 2011 that they started to explore this and they were granted permission to excavate and see what they could find about this village that was once in Central Park. So Seneca Village, uh, basically about 1,600 people lived on this land. Uh, many of them were residents of this village and it was a, a community that was founded in 1825 by free African-Americans. So African-Americans who were not slaves. There were three churches on the grounds, two schools, and three cemeteries. There was also a large Irish population among that 1,600 people, and also some German residents. So it's another interesting story. The, the park had a life before it became a park, and there are a lot of people who criticize the way these people were removed from that area. Uh, this was in 1855. Seneca Village was totally destroyed in order to complete the park. And anybody who stayed behind, el que se quedaba atrás, was deemed, deemed es considerado, a squatter, un ocupa. And it kind of makes sense, the word squatter, because to squat is estar en cuclillas. So if you're squatting, you're kind of temporarily there. You're not sitting or standing. And there's always that debate of, well, some say they were paid to leave the land, but others say they were forcibly evicted. And there's something called eminent domain. We can do an episode on that. Look that up. Búscate 
eminent domain. I think it basically says, summing up, that if the government wants to, they can take your property. And I don't know the whole story, but I imagine that, uh, you know, they took advantage of these people quite a bit. But the story is unfolding as we speak. Again, uh, just in 2011, when they sent some excavators and some diggers, they found 250 bags full of material that they're going to go through and research and see what they can piece together, what they can put together about these people, the people who lived in Seneca Village. I'm sure it's fascinating and maybe we'll do an episode on that in the future. I also promised you guys I was going to give you some dimensions just to give you an idea of the size of Central Park. So Central Park is from Fifth Avenue to 8th Avenue. We, we love uh, defining our addresses by avenues. When I lived in New York, I lived on 28th between 7th and 8th. Toma. <laughs> it, that's how we do it. So it's uh, 5th Avenue and 8th Avenue. And it runs from 59th Street to 110th Street. It is, I, I looked it up in hectares because I, I'm, I know acres, but we use in the United States acres, but it's 341 hectares. It is four kilometers long and 0.8 kilometers wide. Now, if you do the math, that is larger than the country of Monaco. There are also 92.8 kilometers of footpaths or pedestrian paths, que son caminos para pasear, 7.2 kilometers of bridle trail. Bridle is de brida, uh, for horses, so people can ride horses around the park as well. I mean, those are some impressive numbers. And I also remember the loop. There are two loops. There's a smaller loop and a larger loop that you can ride your bike, you can run. I used to rollerblade, iba en patinetes, and I remember rollerblading all around the park. It was great. And the loop, now that I look at it, it was pretty pretty big, 9.8 kilometers. So you can go in a loop 9.8 kilometers and not see the same scenery twice. And don't forget, we've also got all kinds of sports. I said already softball and baseball, but maybe you're into bird watching or you're into to yoga, whatever you're into, you can find somebody doing it in Central Park. And it's cool because it's a place of expression, too. There are tons of performances. One of the most famous performances in Central Park was Simon and Garfunkel. I remember seeing Sting in Central Park for free. And I'm talking about the big performances. Every day, you can find an orchestra or mimes around the park. It is just full of culture. And there are plenty of bodies of water, too. Uh, there are seven man-made lakes and ponds, over 9,000 benches to sit down and relax on. And speaking of benches, I'm going to sit down and relax for a minute before we get to the bonus part of today's show. But I hope you'll join us in the bonus part when we take a stroll through Central Park. We're going to look at the decline of Central Park. That's right, there were two times when Central Park was in disrepair. It was falling apart. So we'll talk about that and how it came back, como volvió antes, uh, muchas veces. Also, we'll look at movies that take place there or that were filmed there. We'll also look at the fauna and some other 
animals and trees that we can find. And as I promised you, I'm going to tell you about my favorite spots, some hidden gems and some very well-known spots where you got to get that picture. And we'll end this first part of the episode just by telling you guys, English can be fun. Puede ser divertido. It can be a walk in the park. And a walk in the park is something easy. You just have to make sure you enjoy the process. So guys, join me in the bonus part of today's FYI.